stay with me for a while. This is the Bleak Theology Podcast, an ongoing conversation about God, sorrow, literature, the arts, and culture. I'm your host, Burke Garrison Schlager. Now, there are so many good reasons for there not to be a yet another religion podcast. The world does not need another one. If anything, there is too much chatter. And sifting the wheat from the chaff for good ones is no easy task. But you're here. At least for now. And I'm thankful for that. And there are some really good religion podcasts out there, truly. But I've long thought that something was missing. That is, a void. And it's not that I wanted to fill that void. That's a job for the Theobros, who will happily take up any space they see, and more. It's that I felt not enough people were paying attention to the void itself. We don't pay enough attention to the abyss. And yet, if we allow ourselves to doom scroll, to be consciously and sympathetically aware of all that is happening around us, we are sucked into the maelstrom, causing harm to ourselves and those around us. Even asking the question of how we manage is a perilous one. We appeal to God, We read scripture. We take part in ritual and practices that give us comfort. We take part in our communities. We speak of faith and seek to live it. And we are human, all too human. Christianity, especially American Christianity, seeks to traffic in answers and solutions. And too often, what gets caught as Christian doctrines of faithfulness and hopefulness is an argument for expectations of joy, happiness, and positivity. And worse, false answers and solutions packaged in feel-good experiences. The worst, however, is the theological and cultural punishment and guilt Christians can inflict on others for not achieving or sustaining these ersatz solutions. And before you know it, we're in the rubble of the ex-evangelicals and their deconstruction. Our understandings of God, ourselves, our neighbor, our world, contain massive blind spots. And we must remember this. And to get along through our changing world, we ignore or dismiss those blind spots. Part of this is because paying attention is overwhelming. Because they are real and they are hard. Death and suffering and sorrow are hard. And they are as much a part of who we are as life, flourishing, and joy are. They are all part of our human condition. 
And yet in our socially mediated world, we risk becoming less human in our desire to be increasingly connected. We spread ourselves increasingly thin. Why do we fear disconnection? Why do we fear missing out when there is enough disconnection in ourselves and in our midst to focus on? Let us dare to dwell on the voids in our midst. The Christian message is one of steadfast hope with salvation and ultimate resolution as its method and goal. Yet, too often in Christianity, we rush to the opposite, the festive, joyful poles of the year, Christmas and Easter. What's more, sorrow, lamentation, self-examination, despair, repentance, and the like are treated all too often as reactions to our immediate situation or are reserved for certain seasons of our lives. Let us consider in this time of uncertainty and despair, of COVID and climate collapse, of hate and injustice, another theology, a sober theology, a bleak theology. And bleak theology is as much an attitude and orientation as it is a space to reflect and share about our shared and individual difficulties. We are all too human. Let us dwell on this. This place is where the stories of the fall and of Babel are told, where lamentations, Ecclesiastes and Job are read and pondered, where Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and that first ending of Mark are preached. And this is just scripture. Bleak theology is also in the great tradition of what we in the Guild call negative theology, that apophatic theology about the unknowability of God. It is the aporia, the gaps, the dilemmas, the absent God, the hidden God, the absurd God, the shrouded God, even the dead God of Nietzsche. It is upsetting, yes, but there are other podcasts if you prefer. This podcast is an examination a consideration of a way of living in that wilderness. Bleak theology is the preparation of Advent in the wilderness of Lent. It dwells in these seasons where the terrain is unmarked, obscured, occluded, or absent altogether. There is movement and stillness, and it is full of questions and disorientation, and there is grace and relief. God can be here. This is our theological landscape. Bleak theology is about an orientation, an attitude, and posture toward ourselves, toward others, toward God, 
In Bleak Theology, I want to emphasize the aspects of Christianity that are traditionally marginalized or spoken about in hushed voices. The things we talk about at deathbeds and funerals, but we dare not say in church or in class, or perhaps even among our closest friends. The thoughts that come to mind on our darkest and loneliest nights and at most at our most unsettling moments we see unjust injustice and hate and war and we wonder and we pray and we hear silence or worse bombs and cries what i am telling you is that we do not risk falling into despair, for we always already live in despair. We just don't know it because we don't know how to identify it. And as we work out our salvation in fear and trembling, we become more aware of this unique despair of ours, this despair that each of us possesses, like a cold, smooth stone in our pocket this heaviness like a damp winter coat, this ache in our chest while alone at a party or with loved ones at church. This is where we begin. This is the Bleak Theology. Theology can be an intimidating word. The word itself is academic, formal, something traditionally guarded by dead white men. And perhaps it evokes an inaccessible science, a dogmatic cudgel of oppression, or a cryptic rule book with your soul in the balance. And theology has been and is all these things. But it is those things because there are gatekeepers who wish to convince us to keep it that way. And there is a safety about gatekeepers. They keep things under control, for better or for worse. In a world long gone, theology was known as the queen of the sciences before the crown was passed to the sisters' natural and applied science. And, and a stereotype of a theologian is perhaps an old white man in the ivory tower of a, of a seminary who has dedicated his entire life to studying the divine and discerning what is real and true and good. And pastors and priests read these old white men and are somehow able to grasp and understand what he means and preach this information from the pulpit. Or perhaps these men who are pastors or average church grower, goers decide themselves to be divinely ordained to possess and preach the truth without the need for permission or for anything other than a Bible and the words of those who already support their beliefs. And for better or worse, they preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. These men are special, set apart, authoritative and sacrosanct beyond reproach because they say God says so.
end of argument. And this stereotype needs to die. The truth is that theology is for everyone and it is already accessible to everyone. And each of us has thought and thinks theologically. But there is a lot of harmful and clumsy theological thinking out there. Much of it is a self-inflicted wound by those men who use it to remain in that kind of selfish power of defining and delineating the good and the true and the real. First, let us agree that everyone, at some point, even if only to themselves, talks about and hears about God. And we learn about God in various ways and contexts, many positive, many negative. And we encounter many kinds of theology. In this Cod talk, these theologies shape us, shapes our understanding of the world and ourselves and relations to both, all in relation to God. And this brings me to one of my most important points. All theology is autobiographical. Our experience shape our understanding and our expressions about God and even our encounters with God. Theology is relational. Theology is subjective. And even if it is mapped out as a system, written as a history, a construct, art, um, understood as a mystery, performed as a ritual, a song, drawn as an art, it is yours. And we share it with each other. Your God talk is important. And as we engage in theology, we are changed. Our understandings are transformed and we relate to God, ourselves, each other, the abyss in new ways. Bleak theology is about allowing ourselves to become unsettled, to experience the uncanny, to encounter the unfamiliar. And in the unfamiliar and disconcerting, we discover new ways to understand and to move theologically in how we are moved. There must always be movement, even in our stillness. After all, we must still breathe. Now, as I said, all theology is autobiographical, and we see this manifested in so many classic theological texts. Augustine's Confessions is a prayer. Hildegard of Bingen writes from her experience as a Benedictine abbess. Søren Kierkegaard writes in both pseudonyms and his own name, all the while wrestling with God and himself in his journals. Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Paul Tillich shaped by the horrors of war and tyranny. Karl Barth and Gustavo Gutierrez by conflict, poverty, and power. James Cone writes from his black American experience and Dolores Williams responds from hers. While Marcella Althaus-Reed writes 
indecently about lemon vendors on the streets of Buenos Aires. And we read these thinkers, and in our readings of their analysis and conjecture, we can forget that they are writing from the heart and the mind, because the disinterestedness of ideas demands it of us. We suffer enough disinterest in our lives and world as it is. Theology requires interest. Theology is and requires communication. Even shouting into the void of night, even crying out in the afternoon Jerusalem sun, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Our theologies are intensely personal and always in dialogue and dispute with each other. But it is never a single source. It is never a single authority. And if we believe it to be, then we betray our relationships with ourselves, our neighbors, and our God. To say that the Bible is the only source and authority of divine information is to commit idolatry. The Bible itself is a sum of experience in and through time, written, redacted, edited, collected, and canonized for our benefit. But this whole endeavor is all too human. And we are all too human indeed. I wanted to start this podcast because the pandemic had hit me really hard. I'm not an extrovert, but I found myself within an intense isolation that exceeded my expectations. Theology is my wheelhouse, something I accepted within myself during my undergrad days. I earned a BA in classics and a Master of Divinity. I was an academic book editor. I've been active in church communities. And over the years, I've tried to ignore it, downplay it, hide theology from my friends. And I focus on writing fiction and cultural criticism. But theology sits there like a cat on my chest, waiting to be fed. It's like a hanging light bulb without enough light to see by. It's an unanswered expectant letter. I grew up in Protestantism, bouncing among the main lines, but mostly growing up breathing the air of evangelical rural North Texas. I think Friday Night Lights with a gun raffle at one of the many local Southern Baptist churches. And I came of age in the Texas heat of the late Cold War, near an Air Force base, with bombers and fighters jets roaring over me every single day, reminding us all of our mutually assured destruction. And when I started to think about life, the universe, and everything, the Southern Baptists seemed to be the most serious game in town. And I started attending church for myself. But I never fit in. I was passing as evangelical. I tried, but things just didn't make sense. I didn't feel what I thought what I was supposed to be feeling to experience and to know it to be true. And around the same time, I was discovering the music of New Wave and post-punk and The Cure singing about Camus' The Stranger. And I discovered satire and misanthropy and Monty Python. 
And this absurdism and cultural critique and existential dread mixed with that adolescent angst into something very important and defining. In some book about existentialism, I discovered that melancholy Dane, Søren Kierkegaard, and I found a lifelong friend. Perhaps is pathetically, predictably, Gen X. But all theology is autobiographical. I went to college, and I soon found a home with the Episcopalians. I fell in love with philosophy, and I got tired of people telling me what the Bible said and meant. And I switched to classics to learn Greek and Latin and the Greco-Roman world that birthed and shaped Christianity. And I went to divinity school, and I studied the New Testament, and philosophical theology, and religion and the arts, and by the end of it all, I had better questions, if even fewer answers. And all the while, I tried, I tried to believe, and I tried to pass and ignore this deep, seated melancholy. And instead of pursuing a PhD, for about a decade I was an academic book editor. And this means that I was the person at a publisher who actively seeks out, signs, and publishes books in a particular subject area. Basically, instead of signing bands, I signed professors. And scholars would send me a proposal and a few chapters and if I thought it was good and it got a good review, we'd cut an album. Or perhaps I say, I heard your demo tape, meaning I heard you uh, speak at a conference and I thought it was worth considering for a book and reached out to you to see if there was maybe a book in there. And the books that came out of all that were mostly sold to academic libraries, or maybe, just maybe, they were used in university courses. And for seven of those years, I trafficked in religion. And one of my favorite parts of being an editor was getting to meet interesting scholars with ideas that had not yet been really discovered, that hadn't had the chance to get noticed. I'd go to academic conferences around the country, and I'd schedule meeting with professors, and I'd get to sit and talk about what they were working on, what got them excited, and why their ideas were worthwhile. And maybe a book would come out of that. And if so, a book that was that only a small group of professionals would ever really read. And that's the reality of academic publishing. But I've left all that. I write my own stuff now, and this, bod- this podcast is to share some of that with you. But the one thing I've always missed is the conversations with great scholars and creative thinkers people daring to take theology further, reconsidering and reframing what has been established convention, voices from the margins that speak truth to power. And because now I have gotten to know so many great people, I want to talk with them here about topics that might not be so well received in other places, where there is no expectation of optimism and where we wrestle with the theological dilemmas that we share or wherever we wander together in the mists and snow. And perhaps find something new about God together. So, my theological train is where occurs 
Kierkegaard's leap into faith, his concept of anxiety, his sickness unto death. And we go from there. And this podcast is not about a church on fire. This is about the church sifting through its own ashes with our oily crosses rubbed onto our foreheads. Our sorrows make us. And this is not the angry fire of punk. This is not the pageantry of goth. This is not the celentine of emo. This is a post-punk counterweight to joy. This is for whom God, or perhaps God's shadow, will not let them go. This is the edge of the abyss and the beginning of something new. The Bleak Theology Podcast is written and produced by me, Burke Gerstenschlager. Special thanks goes to Adam DJ Brett. Logo design is by Matthew Baker. The music you hear is The Glacial Age by Cryptic Scenery. If what you've heard is meaningful for you, please share the Bleak Theology podcast wherever you do social media. And liking the podcast and leaving a comment on Apple Music helps me get more attention so more people can learn about it. If you've got a question or comment, you can go to bleaktheology.com slash podcast and leave it there. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, peace be with you.